helping to make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley in conversation with presidential candidate Jason Palmer, who will tell us why he thinks he'd be a better uh, candidate, uh, a better president for that matter, uh, than Joe Biden. He's running as a Democrat. You recall on this program, uh, we've had a number of these candidates on and everybody's invited here. Um, to express themselves. Uh, and um, we've had conversations with Cornell West, of course, and there's been pushback against him because when he decided to run, he decided to run as an independent and not as a Democrat. And a lot of my friends, dear friends of mine, said to me, why won't he run on the inside and not the outside? His answer was, because if you're on the inside, you're going to get crushed. Mm-hmm. The party apparatus will just crush you. Well, that fear has not stopped Jason Palmer. <laughs> From running on the inside of the Democratic apparatus. Uh, first of all, nice to meet you. Good to have you on this program. Um, tell me why you're doing this. Well, Tavis, thank you so much for having me. It's yeah. almost uh, like a dream come true to be talking to you here in the studio. Thank you, sir. I'm doing this because back in September, October time frame, I saw that the Republicans were having all their debates, and it was like a food fight. It was embarrassing for me as an American. Mm-hmm. And then I said, well, at least the Democrats are going to have some debates that'll talk about how we can work together as a country, move the country forward. And then I realized, no, there weren't going to be any debates. And in fact, nobody was even getting into the race. I thought that Gavin Newsom would get in the race. I thought that Gretchen Whitmer would get in the race. Somebody would get in the race. Biden had said he was going to be a transitional figure. And where was the transition? There was no person getting in the race. So I asked a number of my CEOs. I'm an impact investor, an entrepreneur. I've been working at the intersection of education and workforce technology for the last 20 years. Mm Do you think someone like me should get in the race to kind of shake it up, create a conversation about a positive, optimistic vision for America where we can bring the American dream back? I mean, most of the kids that I know, young people, think they're going to do worse off than their parents, mm-hmm. that the economy and the country are not going in the right direction. And enough of my CEOs came back and said, yeah, you absolutely should get in the race. This is exactly the kind of voice we need, exactly the kind of solutions-oriented approach. That's who I am. I'm a solutions-oriented person. You know, and then in the meantime, as your last caller was talking about, Biden is very wrong on a number of things. He's wrong on Gaza. He's wrong on immigration. He doesn't really have an innovation policy. And I hope we get to talk about AI and innovation because that's my strong suit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're the leader of the free world, but we're not taking care of our own. And so that's why I got in the race to show how we can take care of our own and bring the country back together. Mm-hmm. How do you think Joe Biden has done in the first four years? And I ask that because to your point of his being a transitional figure, David Axelrod, who ran Obama's campaign yep. and others, Ezra Klein did it the other day at the New York Times. Yeah. There are a lot of critical voices. I mean, these people, when these people talk, they're kind of like E.F. Hutton yeah. politically. People listen to them. You, you know, I don't always agree with David Axelrod, but because of who he is and what he's done, you pay attention to him. So so when people like that start saying he needs to step aside, he has done what we elected him to do, but mm-hmm. going another four years really ain't the answer to the prayer. So my question is, how do you think he did the first four years, and why do you think he ought to stop right now? Well, I do want to say that Joe has been a great public servant for the last 50 years. I voted for him mm-hmm. with honor the last time around, and he passed a number of bills uh, related to infrastructure, Um, Build Back Better. There was a number of things. It was not exactly Build Back Better, but close to that, that I felt like. Build Back a little better. (laughs) Just a little better. (laughs) Exactly. But there were three big bipartisan bills that he passed that I felt pretty good about, the CHIPS Act being the third one. And, you know, he is good at passing legislation. But at this point, he 
really has steered his whole presidency towards foreign affairs. And history on this shows that the second administration of any president ends up almost always being focused on foreign affairs. We're entangled in multiple wars around the globe. It doesn't seem like Joe realizes we need to invest in the American people, and he needs to stop paying attention and spending all of his time on foreign affairs. And I hope we get into that as well. So I hope he, like Ezra Klein is you know, talking about in his last two podcasts, I mm-hmm. really love Ezra's podcast, sure. uh, although I think it's six months too late. Ezra, where were you six months ago? Yeah. Um, you know, it is time for him to be like George Washington and say, I'm passing it on to the next generation. Unfortunately, the Democratic Convention is in August. That is very close to November. So I hope that Joe decides well before the convention that it's time to pass the torch. Do you think, I'm glad you raised that. I was just in a meeting yesterday about my covering the convention from Chicago. So we're in the midst of planning for all of that. Do you think that the Democrats put in that convention so deep into August? Was there a reason behind that? Uh, I don't know for sure, but knowing what I've seen on the campaign trail with South Carolina moving mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. and with basically saying that New Hampshire is not going to count at all. And then there are a number of states like Florida, North Carolina, Tennessee, where nobody else is on the ballot. I don't mm-hmm. even think they're going to hold an election because they kept myself and other people off the ballot. I would not say it was rigged. Mm-hmm. They actually did it legally, but it was kind of you know, just not the right way to approach democracy. Not not rigged, but unethical. Uh, It was ethical, (laughs) but it was, you know, to be super honest about it, because I looked into it, like they have quarterly board meetings in Florida Uh and they set their board meeting for early October. And a number of us looked at the deadline and said, oh, the deadline's November 29th. We can still get in the Florida ballot. And they said, oh, but the quarterly board meeting already happened six weeks ago. So sorry, we we already approved it six weeks ago. And that's why I did (laughs) it. It's not, uh, I don't know if it's unethical it's it's using process to mm-hmm. achieve uh you know a single outcome but all that said it's not over we've only had a few primaries at this right. point and i'm hoping to get my message out there that there's a different way to go here i am a candidate who is all about impact investing conscious capitalism and building a new collar economy i come from a background with strength in technology we have an ai revolution that's going on right now that could really make this a more equitable society or it could just result in millions of lost jobs and we need a president who actually understands technology and ai to lead us through this tell me more about how you would innovate uh when it comes to technology specifically ai yeah well a couple different things so first of all it's a amazing to me that we're in 2024 and we still don't have a department of innovation and technology at the cabinet level. Mm-hmm. We should have that department. When people say, why aren't they doing more to regulate you know, children's safety or privacy or cybersecurity or AI? It's because we don't have an executive branch department whose job is to stay on top of that. Imagine if we had uh, either a cabinet level department or an agency like the Federal Reserve whose whole job was to stay on top of that and make sure that America was the leader in regulating smartly these new technologies. Going even further, it usually takes, this is my area, it usually takes 40 years for something to get from the lab all the way to commercial scale and positive impact. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. We can accelerate that. You know, when the genome was mapped back in the early 2000s, we thought, oh, we're going to have all this designer drugs, designer medicine. Well, 20-some years later, they're still not here. And why is that? It's because we don't have a Department of Innovation and Technology that's making sure that we're the leader in all these technologies like AI, nanotechnology, biotechnology, et cetera. 
It's a public-private partnership working with venture capitalists like myself to make sure those inventions get out of the lab, get commercialized, and get scale. And that's something that I know how to do and would bring to Washington. Mm-hmm. When we come forward uh, in our conversation with Jason Palmer, um, I want to get his take uh, on what he suggested earlier about what he thinks Joe Biden is doing wrong in foreign affairs, on foreign policy. How would a Palmer presidency be different when it comes to foreign affairs than what we're experiencing right now? Never mind the president's comments yesterday. The expects a ceasefire in the next week in uh, the war between Israel and Hamas. Our guest right now is a Democratic candidate for president of these United States. His name is Jason Palmer. More with him when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. From the Merck Park with love, love, this is Tavis Smiley. May Fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Democratic presidential candidate Jason Palmer. We're inviting all of them in. I'm glad he came in to see us today. Let me ask you right quick, watching my time here. How would a Palmer presidency be different on foreign policy than a Biden presidency? Well, the biggest difference is we need to commit to our values. You know, I chose to be Quaker by religion. That's Mm -hmm. my choice. And the Quakers have been in favor of peace since the beginning of Quakers. By Rustin was a Quaker. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's very important that we live by our values. And the reason why so many people around the world are uh, hate America or angry at America is because we don't live by our values. We should be promoting democracy, human rights, self-determination. We should not be encouraging foreign wars or removing uh, leaders of foreign countries. We should actually be trying to make the world the better place that we know it should be and can be. And so the, you know, Biden is involved in, uh, I will call it trying to police the whole world. Think about all the military bases that we have all over the world. Uh, we're trying to maintain this police style leadership everywhere. And the American people don't want that. The American people want us to invest at home and stop meddling in every other country's foreign affairs. So the same thing that the globe wants is what the American people want, actually. Now, I'm not saying that we should go completely isolationist. The United States does need to be the leader in the world. That's, that's Donald Trump's idea of foreign policy. I'm not a Trumpist, yeah, yeah. but we need to think carefully. So let's talk about Gaza. Right now, it's very clear that what's happening is the bombardment of the Palestinians has displaced more than 2 million people. Your last caller, did a, you know, it was painful listening to what he was saying because it's all true. Mm-hmm. More than 2 million people displaced, almost 30,000 dead. And we're essentially just writing a blank check to the Netanyahu administration saying, keep up those policies. That's not that's not right. That's not what Americans believe. That's not what the Democratic Party believes. That policy has to stop. If Joe Biden today, um, let me let me rephrase that. Today's the Michigan primary, is, as yeah. as you know. Um, Trita Parsi and I were just talking about this in the, in the top of the show. So there's a big push in Michigan today for people to vote uncommitted, to not vote for Biden, but to vote uncommitted. If that uncommitted number is anywhere near significance, again, I don't know what that means, but if it's anywhere, uh, if, if that number is a credible number, that's going to be the story tomorrow. That Joe Biden won Michigan, but look at this uncommitted number, yeah. and that's going to underscore the trouble he's in in the state of Michigan. What do you expect to see today in Michigan? I think it's going to be 15% or possibly more. Wow. And, you know, that's because I saw it everywhere that I've been campaigning. In Nevada, the number one message when I was talking to people that I got rounds of applause for is yeah. we need to stop funding the bombardment of the civilians of Gaza. The Palestinian people should not have to pay for what Hamas did. We can hold two 
two thoughts in our mind at the same time. Hamas is different than the Palestinian civilians. And for that matter, the Israeli people are different than Netanyahu. Everybody wants Netanyahu gone, and we should not just be supporting him with a blank check. So you think the number today in Michigan for uncommitted may be 15% or higher? Correct. We will see tomorrow. He, he won't be here, but I will be, Lord willing. We'll see if Jason Palmer is right about that number <laughs> of uncommitted in Michigan later tonight. And we'll talk about it, of course, on this program tomorrow. But today, when we come forward, we'll continue our conversation with Democratic presidential candidate Jason Palmer on Tavis Smile. Unapologetically progressive. progressive. Unapologetically blind. You're tapped into Tavis Smile. Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Jason Palmer, Democrat running for president against Joe Biden. Let me just ask you very quickly, how, how does one uh, run against a sitting president? I mean, what's that like and how do people how do people respond to you when you're on the campaign trail and you tell them I'm a Democrat and I'm running against a sitting president? Honestly, <laughs> that comes up a lot. Yeah. And most people say, Really? And then they think about it for a while, and I talk to them about my positions, and I talk about why it's really important to get young people energized and center-right and center-left people energized Mm -hmm. to support the Democratic Party. And there are going to be no debates unless someone like me is in the race, and Biden won't realize he needs to become a transitional figure unless there is that conversation. But but, but has has he already said he's not going to debate? I am not going to debate. How are you going to change his mind? Well... Partly, we actually worked together with the Free and Equal Foundation in January to host a nationally televised debate. Mm-hmm. Later this week, I'm actually co-hosting a third-party debate in New York City with five participants participating. Mm-hmm. And the Free and Equal Foundation, if you all don't know about it, I recommend you take a look at their website. They are going to do multiple additional debates this year. And Joe may not show up, but I wouldn't be surprised to see RFK Jr., Cornell mm-hmm. West, mm-hmm. other independent candidates. And you know, Jill Stein is at the debate on mm-hmm. Thursday. Thursday. The, if Joe wants to win enough of the electorate to make sure Donald Trump is in the past forever for America, mm-hmm. he needs to go out there and debate. I mean, that's partly why, you know, Ezra Klein and others, including myself, have been standing up and saying, if he's if he's willing to give up the Super Bowl interview, yeah. does he really want to run for president? Well, well, the answer is yes, he wants to run. He just don't want to debate y'all. He don't want to get in a situation where he slips up and confuses the president of Egypt with Mexico, and that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So he wants to win. He just don't want to debate. I saw the energy for Donald Trump in New Hampshire and Nevada and South Carolina and holding your fire and not debating and not being out there robustly will cause Biden to lose in the fall. So the people that are close to Joe Biden need to talk to him about Passing the torch. Yeah. And I'm okay if the torch gets passed to Gretchen Whitmer, Gavin Newsom, Jared but, but Polis. Somebody, There's yeah. a whole bench of fantastic yeah. people who should be out on the campaign trail with me right now. But if it's going to just be me and maybe Dean Phillips and Marion Williamson, I know, has dropped out. But the 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 drum needs to keep beating until Joe makes the right choice. He has been a great public servant, but it's time for him to pass the torch. I've got two minutes left. I'll give it to you. Um, yeah. You mentioned, you used a phrase earlier that I'm familiar with, and uh, I consider myself in this frame um, of conscious capitalist. You said conscious capitalism. That's your lane, and that's one of the things you want to bring to your leadership. Tell me more about it in the last two minutes. Sure. So conscious capitalism is probably the most important idea I've encountered in my life. And you know it. It's companies that choose to be purpose-driven. It's business 
business for good, mm-hmm. essentially. And I've been investing in companies that, for example, do education in prisons or provide loans to people with no credit score to help them go to college and boot camps. There is a whole movement of people that are building these B corporations is what they're called. And it doesn't have to just be about making profit for shareholders. It can actually be about putting the customers first, putting your employees first. You can actually structure your company to live up to the values of multiple stakeholders. Mm -hmm. And and this is a really important uh, part of my campaign is that we can restructure our entire economy with this middle ground between capitalism and socialism. I do also want to mention that today my team and and I are, met, are actually launching uh, the first presidential AI. So if you go to my website at palmerforpresident.us, mm-hmm. you'll be able to ask me any question you want about conscious capitalism, about the new collar economy, and a very pleasing version of me, my AI version, will actually give you all the answers that you need. Wow, that's pretty innovative. It is innovative. It's the first time that something like this has happened. And once you see it, you'll realize every single candidate running for president is going to need one of these next time around. But Jason Palmer's out front. I'm out in front. Always. I always am innovating a few <laughs> years earlier. Yeah, it ain't, it ain't going to take you 40 years to get there. No, no. His name is Jason Palmer. He is a Democrat and he is running for president of these United States trying to force Joe Biden to some debates. Uh, his website is palmerforpresident.us. You can uh, ask his AI uh, anything you want to ask, palmerforpresident.us. That'll learn more. I'm going to check it out myself just because I want to see the AI version of you uh, and hear what you sound like and what you look like. Uh, it looks very much like me. It's so similar to me. It is, <laughs> it's impressive. Sometimes yeah. it even says answers better than me. Yeah, well, if I can get AI to do my work here three hours a day, I'd be I'd be a lot happier certain days, <laughs> but I digress on that. Jason, all the best on the campaign trail. Thank you for coming in. I appreciate you uh, giving us some time today. Thanks. I really appreciate it, Tavis. Good to have you. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward.